How you guys doing? You made it to church today. Thank you for being here on this Memorial Day weekend. Can, can we give a huge welcome to everybody online today? Let's thank them for being with us today. If you're with us, you're on Facebook Live. We just want you to know you're part of the family, and we're glad that you're with us. Uh, we encourage you to share this post online, let your friends know what's going on here at ACF Church, and uh, invite them uh, to join with us live online. I love that. I, I love that we've got people watching from all over the world that are uh, joining us as a church. So, super cool. Um, if you are new, I just want to welcome you. I hope that uh, you feel like this is home as you show up here today. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're just going to be here uh, talking through a little bit of God's Word this morning. We are in a series of talks called Human Steeple, and we're going to be talking about that in just a minute, but it is Memorial Day weekend, and so this is a great chance for us, especially in a highly military community, uh, to slow down for just a minute and to consider our freedom and the price that's been paid for us. And so uh, that's just something we want to do as a church is just stop for a second and pray. I know many of you uh, have lost people that you love. Uh, we know that uh, many of you are connected with those who are also mourning today and uh, remembering. And so it's a great chance for us to, to, uh, to stop. I know it's a big weekend for barbecuing and having a lot of fun, um, but it's really a great chance to reflect on all that we have and the price that's been paid for it. So can we bow our heads and pray uh, for those families together? Jesus, thank you so much for the freedom that we have. God, thank you so much for the country that we get to live in and the, the place that we get to be. Father, we know that, uh, as has been said so many times, freedom is never free, and uh, a price is always paid. And so, God, we do pray for the families who are mourning a, a loss of a loved one or a friend. God, we pray for people in our room here today who are remembering uh, friends that they have lost uh, in the line of duty. And Father, as, uh, as people, we want to uh, take some time to thank you uh, for our freedom and to appreciate what we have, to reflect on the freedoms we've been given, and to honor those who have paid so much by living this freedom out. And as believers, God, we're grateful for the chance that we have to freely talk about our faith, uh, to share the good news of Jesus everywhere we go, God, without fear. Uh, so God, I pray that we would utilize the freedom we've been given, God, that we'd walk in boldness, and uh, God, that we'd be agents of grace to a community that needs to hear about Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. So we are in a series of talks. If you are new, you are right uh, coming up towards the end of this series called Human Steeple. Uh, the idea of the series is that churches a lot of times have steeples at the top of them, and uh, a steeple is an architectural element that was built to direct people's eyes towards heaven. Essentially, when you look across the city, you might see a steeple at the top of a church. It, it is oftentimes the highest point in a community, and that was just the idea. We want uh, that the people built these, these steeples as a very prominent architectural element that they hoped would direct people's eyes towards heaven. And so the whole concept here is that we believe that it is the church's job to direct people's eyes towards heaven. We believe that a people, uh, a community that is empowered by the Spirit of God can do things that a steeple will never do. And so we essentially are the representation of God to the community, to the world around us. When we live out our lives in Christ Jesus to the world, their eyes will be directed towards heaven. People may not know why we do what we do. They may not understand how we do what we do, but they may understand that there is a God and that he loves them. And that's our goal, is, is to direct people's eyes towards Jesus, ultimately. And so that's the idea of the series. We've come a long ways. We've talked about uh, the Trinity. We've talked about this idea of God as three in one. We've talked about the Holy Spirit 
uh, because we believe that the difference between a dead church and a living church is a church that is, is empowered by and listening to the Holy Spirit is a living church. Because there are dead churches everywhere. And there are churches that are closing their doors every single week. And so it's important for us to stop and reflect on what is it that makes the difference between a living, life-giving, empowered church and a church that is dying and closing its doors. And we, we believe, really, it is the Spirit's work in the church. It's, it's being a community full of people that are just saying, God, I am your servant. Uh, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And so I'm just going to kind of lay my cards out in front of you guys just to start off this message here today and say, here's my ultimate goal this morning. My goal is that you would leave this place wanting to hear from God and doing what he says. That's it. That's it, right? I mean, that is the end of this thing. And we really want for you to hear from God, want to hear from God, and to simply do what he says. You're like, well, isn't that every week? It is every week. But specifically today as we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about living a life that, that actually bears good fruit, uh, we want to be the type of people that want to know what it looks like to follow God. We want to be people who are listening for the voice of God in our lives. But there's a tendency uh, to kind of have this separation in our life between what happens in church and what happens in the rest of our lives. And I think we tend to fall back into this old way of thinking. Um, and, and maybe you do this, but there, there is this tendency to have these sort of sacred things in our lives. Um, the first, I would say, are sacred places. These locations that we're like, okay, so God exists in the church. So when I come into church, we sort of turn this, this switch on, like, okay, God is here, I'm ready to hear from him. Which is a good thing, but I wonder, do you turn that switch on when you go to work? When you go out with your friends? When you're barbecuing tomorrow, you know, on Memorial Day? Are you, are you thinking, I'm going to hear from God today? Or do you sort of have these sacred places where God exists? And we've said this a few weeks ago, that you can't actually go to church, you can only be the church. The church isn't a building, it's a people. It's a community assembled of God's people. And so you might have sacred places, you might have sacred people. You might think, well, you know, maybe the pastors or a priest or somebody who's a you know, special holy man or woman, they're the ones who carry the presence of God. But we've said from the beginning through all of this is that God dwells in his people. And he wants to work through you. It doesn't matter if you are a, uh, a church leader or maybe it's your first day uh, to church and, and you've actually committed your life to Christ. And if that's you, then God dwells within you and he goes with you everywhere you go. Maybe it's sacred places, sacred people, or maybe it's sacred practices. It's, it's certain things that you do that you're like, okay, this part of my life, these actions are sacred rituals, these sacred actions. But these things over here, God doesn't care about that. And we have this, this separation in our life between the things that we think are, are holy and sacred and then the rest of our life. Once again, I think that God wants to be involved with everything, that he lives everywhere. There's a passage in Acts chapter 7 that I think speaks to this beautifully. In verse 48 it says, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? It's like sarcastic. You're going to build me a house, huh? You think you're pretty good to build a house? You're going to put me in a house? What kind of house are you going to build for me? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You think you can put me in a building? You think you can put me in a box? You think you can keep me in a certain place? No, I am everywhere, God says, which is good news, right? It's good news because whatever you're going through this week, God is with you. Like whatever you're dealing with, whatever you need to overcome, whatever struggle you're in the middle of, God is with you. You don't have to come to this building to be with God. He goes with 
you. And that is really, really good news. So we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to walk through a passage. It's a really common uh, passage. Many people have heard it spoken on before, and I hope to maybe come at this from a different angle, but this passage is called the Fruit of the Spirit passage. And and it's going to be about what does it look like to have a life empowered by the Spirit? When the Spirit of God is in you, what does it look like for a believer to live out their days? And Paul is going to connect the life of a believer with the Spirit in them to a tree that bears really good fruit. Like, like you will produce good fruit if the Spirit of God lives in you. It's just going to be natural. It'll just happen on its own. And so uh, let's stand in honor of God's Word. Let's read this together. It says this in verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's going to be a fun one. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You guys can be seated. So I'm going to take a quick poll as we start off here today. Um, Just kind of be honest in this room. Who here would consider themselves a natural rule follower? Who's a rule follower? Raise your hand. Rule followers in the room. Okay. All right. So who here then would consider themselves a rule stretcher? Rule stretchers in the room? It's funny how quicker the, the, the hands go up. In every service, it's like the rule stretchers are a little more proud of that fact. Yes, I am. I am a rule stretcher. I'll admit it. I'm a rule stretcher. I'm the kind of person, I don't like it when you tell me what to do. I don't, I don't like anybody directing my life. I am a man of my own life, right? I like to make my own decisions. And so just little things like, like the sign between the parking lot of the church and uh, Business Boulevard and the bank parking lot that says, no through, you guys know the sign, <laughs> no through traffic. That's why you're laughing because you've all driven through it, right? But you probably rationalized it, right? You went through and you're like, I don't know, I've been to this bank before. I'm a customer, right? I'm sure. Or, or maybe you even do this, you just stop for a second and you're like, I thought about stopping, but then I went on through. So I didn't technically use it as a throughway. I was thinking about going to the bank, but then I actually went. You know, we find ways to, to get around things, little, little loopholes uh, for following the rules. Most people don't really love having rules. Some people gravitate towards it because it gives sort of boundaries for you. Uh, if you're a rule follower, you, you like that there, there are boundaries to follow. Other people really struggle with it because you don't like to be told what to do. Uh, it was funny, a, a few years ago, we were planning a Crow Pass hike here as a church. We'd invited a, a, a bunch of people, and so we were going to do that hike. Anybody done the Crow Pass hike in the room? It's beautiful, isn't it? Such an amazing hike. I'd encourage you, if you've never been able to do that, uh, to get out and do it. But we, we were doing a whole church hike. We'd, we'd advertised it to everybody and said, let's, let's all get out and uh, enjoy this, this beautiful place together. And so uh, a couple weeks out, uh, the plans were coming together. We had a big group. We were getting our gear together. And then somebody got on the, the Facebook page for the Crow Pass hike, and it said Crow Pass uh, is, is, is actually shut down. Crow Pass hike is, is shut down because there is a moose kill on the trail. There's a moose kill on the trail. So Fishing Game is actually um, saying that we shouldn't hike it. And so, so we're thinking about this, and we're thinking, really? 
like on the trail. There's a series, like, like it killed it on, because I'm thinking, well, you know, when they think on the trail, they're thinking like within a mile radius of the trail that we don't want to be in the, you know, unsafe zone with the bear, you know, and I'm thinking, I got, I, I, you know, I got, a, I, I got a 357 or a 41 that I carry. I can protect myself and we'll be fine. And so we, we go through with it. We're like, we're going we're gonna to hike this hike. And like a day before somebody calls the church and pulls the would Jesus hike crow pass? Like, really? Are we really going to? What would a Christian do? And so we canceled the stupid hike because we want to be a good example to all of our community, which I was, I was upset. You know, I just wanted to do it. And I'm like, man, we know, we know better. And so a couple weeks later, they opened the pass up again. They opened up the hike. And we get the group together, and we're hiking. And I think it was the second day of the hike. We come around this corner, and it looks like there has been a D9 dozer in the middle of the trail. There are holes dug, and there are trees tipped over, and there are piles of dirt everywhere, and there are moose bones sticking out of all of the piles. The moose killed, or the, the, the bear killed the moose on the trail, like right on the trail. I'm just imagining us coming around the corner and catching this, you know, grizzly bear just mowing down on this moose, but, you know, so the, the moral of the story is fish and game knows what they're talking about. If they ever shut anything down, just listen to the professionals. But I was just struck by this in this moment. I'm like, why am I so surprised that somebody who does this for a living actually knows what they're talking about? Like, what is it in me that thinks, oh, I know what I'm talking about. I'm sure it's not on the trail. I'm sure we'll be safe. I mean, why do we do that? But we do. We look for loopholes, don't we? This is what it's like when we look at the Bible like a, like a book of rules, I think a lot of people would say that's what the Bible is. In fact, somebody came up to me after church one time, and they said, Brian, I, uh, you know what the Bible is? I learned this this week. The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Have you heard this before? And I'm like, okay, like, is that good? Does that work for you? Like, is that good? I mean, it's okay because, yeah, there's instruction here, and it's, it's helpful, and there's good stuff in there, but, but I isn't it more than that? Is it really just a, a rule book of things to do before we die? Because oh, I thought it was the story of a God who loved the, his creation to the point that he sent his son to die for them. Like, I thought it was a, a story of a, of a broken, rebellious people who God showed love to, who then responded to his love and, and pursued him and loved him back and in a world that, where, where God's presence comes ultimately in the end to the world to reign on earth just as he does in heaven. I, I thought it was a restoration of, of what was broken. I thought there was so much more about the story. But for this guy, I was like, no, it's a rule book. It's great. And I wonder for your friends and that don't go to church, or don't want anything to do with religion, if that's what they think of. They're like, I don't need more rules in my life. I mean, if the Bible is a rule book, it's no wonder that you don't sit down and just read it, right? I mean, who goes online and just looks up rule books to read, you know? I just want more rules in my life. That's what I want. Give me more stuff I have to do, because I'm not busy enough as it is. No wonder people don't want to do what it says, if that's what they think the Bible is about. I wonder if there's a deeper motivation to do what we do. I wonder if there's more to it. What Paul is going to get at here in the book of Galatians is, I believe, what it looks to be an empowered person, to have, to have the Spirit of God speaking to us, and then to respond to what he says, believing that what God wants us to do is actually going to be better for us. Like, fully believing that when God speaks to you, you know, like, it is going to be better for my life and better for the people around us. 
you might just take a test right now for you. Uh, if you're a rule follower, I want to ask you this question. Why should you be honest? Well, you might say, well, because the Bible says so. The Bible says I shouldn't lie. The Bible says I should be honest. Is that your motivation for being honest? Because what Paul is going to come back to in the book of Galatians is that all of this is about love. It's about loving your neighbor. I mean, is it, is it your motivation to be honest because the Bible says so? Or maybe you'll be honest because it's not loving to lie to people. It's just not a great way of loving your, your friends or your boss or your coworkers or your wife. Like when you lie to people, it's not loving them. You know, how about this? Why should you be a generous person? Well, the Bible says I should give money, right? The Bible says that, you know, God's given me so much so I should, you know, tithe. Or The Bible says so. And so you do it. But I wonder for you if there's a deeper motivation. I wonder if you know that being generous is a really loving thing to do. That to be generous, it actually changes your heart as well as the hearts of other people by just giving them, meeting needs and helping people and being very generous. It's a good thing to do. How about things like sexual boundaries? Everybody gets perked up. What? Sexual boundaries. Why should you draw sexual boundaries on your life? Well, the Bible says so. Really? Is that it? Because people who have broken boundaries in their life know that, yeah, the Bible says so, but it actually caused a lot of pain. It actually ended up hurting me and hurting somebody else, and I actually carry around baggage from years ago because I did not draw sexual boundaries. Do we draw boundaries because the Bible says so, or do we draw boundaries because it's just more loving to draw boundaries? You actually end up loving the person more. You think loving them is to not draw boundaries. It's the exact opposite. Loving people well is to draw boundaries when it comes to our sexuality. It comes back to a deeper motivation. Does the Bible really have to spell out every single little thing for us to know what to do? Because when we are people who are driven by love and, and following the Spirit, we'll know what to do in any situation. As parents, I always think about this. You get frustrated sometimes, don't you, if you're a parent, when, when something happens and you're like, I didn't know I needed to make a rule for that. You know, like, like your son comes in and he's like, Dad, I just stabbed the couch with a fork. And you're like, no, no, we don't stab the couch with a fork. But you didn't know an hour ago that you needed like rule number 5,673, do not stab the couch with a fork, right? But if, you're, if your kids are looking for loopholes, they will find loopholes, right? But that's the same thing for us. If you want to find loopholes, you will find loopholes. You will live your life by loopholes instead of love. Uh, and you will find them if you want to. But I believe that the Bible is showing us a better way. And, and what Paul's going to get at here is that, that the, the, the Bible and the, the Mosaic Law and everything that we re read in here that looks like a rule is actually like, it's like training wheels for the church to be led by the Spirit of God. Now it's good, and we're not throwing the Bible out the window. We listen to the Bible, we read it, and we, we learn from it. And it's, it's used to teach us what is right. But I believe that when you actually have the Spirit of God in you, you'll just know what to do. You'll know, no, we don't stab the couch because that's just not loving, right? No, we don't treat people that way because that's just not loving. And you'll have the Spirit of God speaking to you and driving you. We need something else to follow. We need something else driving our lives than our natural impulses. Something else than just trying to, you know, break the rules. What, what people around you may say is just, well, just follow your heart, right? If, you, if you've been to any graduation ceremonies lately, you probably heard somebody say, just follow your heart, everybody. Follow your heart, follow your dreams, you know? But the Bible tells us a different story. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. 
Who can understand it? So follow your heart, right? Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So follow your heart. See, the Bible teaches us that our hearts are actually sick. So you can follow your heart, but the heart was never designed for navigation. It was just never designed. The heart was always meant to be led. It was never intended to lead. Your heart was not intended to drive. Your dreams were not intended to drive your life. When you let these things drive your life, you're going to end up in the ditch all the time. Because if you're like me, I pursue things that are bad for me sometimes. If you're like me, I think breaking the rules will result in more freedom, and it actually ends up with less. So there has to be something else, a different way to live. Paul is going to teach us that you shouldn't just follow your heart, and you shouldn't just follow the rules, but you should follow the Spirit. And when you follow the Spirit, what you're going to find is you're going to live a life that honors God and honors people. It's just going to be natural fruit from your life. Don't you want that? Don't you want, like, natural fruit? Because when people preach Galatians 5, and I've, I, I've like, heard a lot of sermons about Galatians 5, normally it's something like this. You guys, you need to go be more gentle and gracious and self-controlled. Good luck, right? And so you walk out of here and you're like, oh, I tried really hard this week, but I'm a total failure at this. Instead of going, no, what Paul is going to teach us is that these are the fruit, the natural fruit of the Spirit. It's kind of like the difference between a tree that bears good fruit and a, and a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree is, it's a fake tree with a bunch of ornaments, right? And I feel like that's a lot of how Christians live their lives. It's like, I've got all this, you know, good-looking stuff that I put on my life. You know, I, I try to give a little bit of money. I try to help people once in a while. I try to do good things. But if you were to cut into that tree, you'd see it's made of plastic, right? There's nothing real about it. Versus a natural tree that bears natural, organic fruit. And this is his picture of a church. A church that just, we live in this city so empowered by the Spirit, so driven to hear God and to do what he says, that, that it just flows from our lives. So he's going to show us and talk to us about what that looks like. He's speaking to this church in Galatia, and there's these, these people called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers are these religious people who are speaking to these Gentile believers, and they're telling them, you need to follow the law to be saved. So they're teaching them that Jesus was not sufficient for salvation. So there's this like legalistic bent that is kind of weeping its way into the church. And so this is frustrating Paul because Paul has been there. And he's like, guys, don't go back to this. I know what it's like. It's a road that leads to death. Don't go there. Let's read verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. He's talking about yeast. If you've ever made, you know, homemade bread, you got to make the dough, and you add just a little bit of yeast in there, and that's all it takes to make the dough rise. And he's talking about that like legalism. He's like, just to, you guys know this, just a little bit of legalism can screw a church up, right? And just a little bit of legalism can screw up a Christian and end up with a, a skewed perspective of who God is and how you relate to him and what salvation looks like. It just takes a little bit to weep its way in and to mess us up. He says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty. I have confidence that, that you're going to get through this, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? You see, circumcision was, was a, a symbol of, of God's people, 
and they would be circumcised. That was a sign that they were God's people. It was, a, it was an action, it was a command for God's people. So Paul, being this, he was kind of a Jew of Jews, he understood all the rules. He'd been a, a teacher of the rules in the past. And there's this rumor going around that Paul is still preaching that you, got, you, still, you need Jesus and make sure you are circumcised, that this is a symbol that you're one of God's people, and if you don't do this, then you don't, you're not saved, right? And so people, there's this rumor going around, and Paul's like, no, no, I'm not preaching this. He says, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Like, okay, if you need to do Jesus, need to listen to Jesus and do this other thing, then the cross doesn't matter. Like, it's not enough. We're saying that Jesus' death, death was insufficient. He says this in verse 12. He says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. <laughs> Which essentially is, I wish those who teach you that circumcision is a means to salvation would just cut the whole thing off, right? That's what I want them to do. If you get offended in church, just read Paul's writings because I'm just telling you, Paul's pretty, pretty graphic. He's like, that's what I want you to do. And he says earlier in Galatians, basically, if you think that a little bit of law and Jesus, if you think that you need to follow the rules to be saved, then, then, then you're, actually, you're actually responsible for all the rules. You know, if you've got just a few things that you're like, it's Jesus plus this one thing or these things. If you've done that in any way in your life, then you're responsible for all the things. He's essentially saying, good luck. Good luck. If you think that's going to save you, good luck with that. Write this down. You can feel spiritual by following the law but you can be spiritual by following the Spirit. See, there's a lot of people that follow the, the rules. And, and it, is, it is perfectly possible for you to live your entire life following the rules and not have the Spirit of God within you. It is entirely possible that you live your entire life going to church, giving some money, helping old ladies cross the street, sending, you know, going on mission trips and doing all of these things, but never surrendering to God with your life with your heart. It is entirely possible to look like a really good Christian and not to love God or to love people. And this is what Paul is getting at. And that's why he's like, this is a really big deal. This is a really big problem for the church. This will screw you up big time. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Remember where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There's freedom. That's how you know that you're in a spirit-filled church is because when you get there, you just, you're like, it's freedom. I just feel like there's freedom here. Again, the difference between a living church and a dead church is a church that when people see that church in action, they think, man, those people are free. They're not enchained by religion. They're actually free to live and to love and to enjoy the life that they have. You were called to freedom, brothers, only, okay, so here's the little caveat, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So here's the warning. If you're in here and you're like, Brian, are we going off the deep end? Are we just saying, like, it doesn't matter what you do, live however you want to? No, we're not. We're just saying that the freedom that you receive when, when the Spirit is speaking to you and you're following Him is a freedom that will result in you living a holy life. That's the kind of freedom that we're talking about the freedom that will change you. There will be a dramatic difference in your life when you live by the Spirit. So don't use it as a reason to do whatever you want to. Don't do that. Don't just live however you want. I'm free to do what I want. Thank you, Jesus. You've missed it. You've missed the point. He says, but through love, serve one another. Don't use freedom as an opportunity just to indulge in whatever you want to. 
Use that freedom to serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember Jesus? He sums up the whole law in in those two things. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm just going to tell you, I will preach this all the time. We as a church will talk about this all the time. And and here's one thing I want to say, is that this isn't like dumbed-down Christianity. This isn't like weak sauce Christianity. Come on, Brian, give me something a little deeper than just love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus kind of summed up the whole law that way. Uh, So if you think you can go deeper than Jesus, that's fine. But I'm just telling you that this is as deep as it gets, loving your neighbor as yourself. This is the, the, the fuel and the drive for everything we do as Christians. And if you don't have love for your neighbor, you're back to the rule book. You're back to just trying to do good things, sometimes when you feel like it, but it's Memorial Day weekend, and I deserve a a break. I'm going to do what I want this weekend, right? So you you end up living this sort of like back-and-forth lifestyle, once in a while showing love, other times not, and it's not really love. It's just law in your life. I want to be people who truly love those around us. It is far simpler and far more demanding to follow the law of love, far simpler and far more demanding than just to follow the rules. So I don't want a church full of rule followers. I want, to, I want to be part of a church full of people who hear God and do what he says. Just hear God and do what he says. It doesn't have to be complicated. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Essentially, he says, if you just want to act out in your flesh, just do whatever your heart desires, you will ultimately destroy each other. So good luck with that. Good luck with that, he says. Be, watch out that you're not going to consume one another, that you're not going to destroy one another with your freedom. Because once again, when you, li- when you live and walk in this freedom that isn't driven by the Spirit, it's freedom just to do whatever your heart desires or whatever your dreams are, you will ultimately end up in the ditch, ultimately end up in death in your life instead of life. Verse 16, but I say, this is such a key passage, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Did you catch what he said there? He didn't say, walk by the Spirit and make sure you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. He said, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you walk by the Spirit, what will flow from your life is natural fruit. It's these things that look like Jesus You'll, you'll simply act different in that situation where you're in an argument with somebody and you're just like, man, I don't, I don't know what to say or how to deal with this, and you're just going to respond differently to that person, maybe with a little more grace and a little more forgiveness. You're going to be in a situation where you could totally find a loophole. You can bend the rules, and you know it, and you'll probably get away with it. But you're like, oh, I don't, man, that's like, that's that old person. That's not me anymore. You know, I am now somebody who hears God and just does what he said. And what's, what, it, it's a quiet voice, but I'm hearing the voice. And I've been suppressing it because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I, I listen once in a while to it. I'm kind of suppressing the voice, but the voice is saying, don't do this. And that's what I want. I want to do what he says. He says, if you walk by the Spirit, there will be natural fruit in your life. There will be natural fruit in your life. Now he's going to go into this list here in a second of all of these, the, these, these op- opposing actions, this opposing way of living. 
So there's two lists. There's a, first a list of all of what your flesh does and all of how we will naturally act if we're not living by the Spirit. And then a list of how somebody will act if they're following the Spirit. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. In other words, they're in opposition to each other. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Did you catch that? We're not talking about a rule book. We're talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Now, here's the list. Just take a personal inventory. Is this my life? The works of the flesh are this. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which is just hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So he basically says, this is not an exhaustive list. There are others. Things like this. So for you and me, we got to go, okay, is this stuff in my life? And he says this, this is, this is a harsh warning. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What? Right? I mean, come on. You're going, oh man, I, 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 there's at least one or two of those that are probably in my life, right? I mean, you're seeing some of this. So he just said, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I feel like I need to unpack this for a second because... The tendency might be to hear that and be like, well, I got to stop doing those things so I can inherit the kingdom of God. He just said, if I do those things, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, if this is the fruit of your life, the Spirit of God is not in you. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, go stop drinking so much, stop envying, stop being divided, oh, and then you'll be saved. He's saying, take, take an inventory of your life. This is like a test. This is like a test for your life. Is this stuff in your life? You have to go back and go, man, I, I don't know. If this is how I live and, and I'm sort of okay with it, then I got to wonder, is the Spirit of God really living in me and have I surrendered to Him? You just got to ask that question. And I know some of you are like, Brian, I've got some addictions I'm struggling with. I've got some issues. Man, I, I'm trying not to fly off with, with fits of rage. And man, God is, I'm just praying he heals me from this and I'm still struggling with this. I just want you to know, you guys, listen, his grace is sufficient for your weakness. It certainly is. But you have to be honest with yourself and go, is this a fruit of my life just generally? Am I somebody who lives this way? Because Paul is saying, if this is your life, then you're probably not somebody who has the Spirit of God living and moving in you. You're probably not somebody who said, I want God to be in my life in such a way that I, I listen to him and I just, I do what he says. I just do what he says. So now the next list, the next test, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, once again, look at your life, is this what is produced by your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So go ahead and write this down. The Spirit of God gives new direction to our desires. When you've got the Spirit of God in you, you now start to desire new things. It's natural fruit. You're not the Christmas tree Christian. Like, hey, I just want to hang a little goodness on the tree, you know? 
Uh, it's not that I love God or love people. I just want to look a little bit more like a religious person, look more like a good person. No, no, the Spirit of God gives new directions to our desires. We, we actually desire new things. It's a change of our heart, and it's driven by love for people. And see, when the Spirit of God is in us, living like Jesus is the most natural thing you will ever do. You won't be driven by loopholes. You'll be driven by love. Because here's the thing. You will always go hard after what you love most. Like, there's no question about it. What you love most, you will go hard after it. I mean, just look at, look at your life. There are things that you think about all the time, that you desire after, that you want. You know what you love because it's clear in your life. It's just natural for you to go hard after what you love. When, when God comes in and he takes you from death to life, he takes you and me, a broken uh, sinners that don't deserve grace, and he gives us grace and moves us into life, and he forgives us and he puts his spirit within us. When that happens, it starts changing our desires, and it's dramatic. I mean, it is dramatic. It's a, it's a process, but it's a dramatic change. And so if you're here today and you're like, well, if I don't follow, if, if I don't just live by the rules, what do I do? Don't be afraid. If you're ready to submit to the Spirit of God, if you're really honestly ready today to say, God, I want you in, in my heart and I want you to speak to me and I'm done resisting it, I'm done being a selective listener when it comes to your spirit, I, I, I want to hear you and I want to submit to you, I believe he will tell you what to do. I believe that in the moment when you need him most, he will speak to you. He'll say, turn left, turn right, say this, don't say that. And he will remind you of who he is in those moments. That's who we want to be. And that's going to be a church that directs people's eyes towards heaven. That's going to be a community that people are like, I don't know what's going on at ACF Church, but man, there must be a God. That, that's the beginning of something amazing. But you've got to have your ears open. You've got to be listening. You've got to believe that God wants to speak to you. Do you believe he does? Do you believe that God actually speaks to his people? Because some of you are like, I don't know, Brian. I'm not hearing it. I'm not, I honestly believe that God will speak to you if you are ready to listen, if you want it, if you are asking for him to speak to you. He will bring conviction where you need it. He will tell you, hey, that's a loophole, bro. That's a loophole. Don't do it. Don't go through loophole. He will tell you. And in, in, in my life, here's how it looks. The more I listen to him, the more I do what he says, the louder his voice gets. And the more I resist him and the more I ignore him and say, God, you don't know better than I do, the quieter his voice gets. So you begin to act in obedience to him. You begin to listen to the spirit of God and do what he says and you will begin to hear him more and more and more. Kind of an illustration of this. I want to invite the band up. Here, the band in here. Why don't you guys come up real quick? So we have a great band. Can you guys give them a hand? Awesome. We got some like Mumford worship going on today, which I'm, I'm loving. I'm loving this. So I don't know if you guys know this, but this band, they work on their music every week. Do you know that? Like they don't just roll in here and like, what are we going to play, right? They actually rehearse on Mondays. They spend time at home working on the music. And if, if you're not a musical person, a lot of Intro. what they do may be a little One, mysterious two, to you. Three. I mean, even for some musicians. Do, do you ever just kind of wonder how they know what to play? Like they just start at the same time together. How they do that? Like, what is it that keeps them together and in sync? And they know how to, like, build the song up. You guys know that, like, when the, the music's just getting louder and the drums are getting louder, and then together they just they get quieter. One, and they two, just, it three. seems like they're so in sync together. So I'm going to, like, 
give away something this morning. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give away a secret, okay? So you guys might not know they have this. I'll jump up there. You've seen these before? These are called in-ear monitors. And so every single week, as they're playing this music together, what's going on in their ears is something called a click track. So you guys have never heard this before, but can we just turn this up in the system? Four is. Can I hear it? One, two, three. So this is what they're hearing every single week. And with the click track, there's actually these like vocal cues that tell them where they're going next. So listen. just people singing and you hear this this ebb and flow and it's just beautiful what they hear is the direction of of a director in their ears and I want you to know this is what it's like to be driven by the spirit is that you just like all through your day you have God living in you your creator the one who made you who loves you living inside of you and he's guiding every single step and what you need to know today is that he wants to talk to you He wants to speak to you. He wants to drive your life towards better things. But you have to be willing to listen. Some of you here today and you're like, that's in my ears and the volume's like really low. And it's being drowned out by all of my heart's desires, all of my dreams, all the things that I want apart from Jesus. Because I feel like they're in a collision with each other. When you start to realize that he wants the best for you, when you align your dreams and your desires with his heart, you will live the best life. And so is that you today? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to submit to him? Or are you at a place where you're just like, I don't know, like I wanted God to come into my life to get me to heaven, but I wasn't ready to surrender anything, Brian. Maybe today's the day where you're ready to surrender your life to his guidance. I'm calling that salvation. I'm calling that the moment you go from death to life. Not the day that you walked into church or the day you started doing religious things, but the day that you said, God, I will surrender to your voice and I will do what you tell me to do. So if that's you today, I wanna pray for you that we can receive that. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you didn't leave us alone, that you chose to speak to us and to put your spirit within us we want to be an empowered church, a church full of people who simply hear your voice and do what you tell us to do. God, I want to, I want to be a church that does more than following the rules, a church full of people who in every situation, we simply know what the right thing is to do and we want to do it because we love people, because we love you. So God, would you break our hearts of religion? Would you break our hearts of legalism? How would you replace it with a deep love for our creator, a deep gratitude for what was paid for us? Father, if you're speaking, we are listening. We love you, God. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.